A woman died, and she went to heaven, and she was in heaven for a while, a good while, and she was enjoying herself. But then one day, St. Peter was walking past, and he said, um, I have to do something. Could you, could you man the gate for a while? Oh, I wouldn't, I don't know how that works. It's very simple. They just have to spell love. Oh, okay, I guess I can do that. So St. Peter goes off to do what he was supposed to do. This lady staffs the pearly gates of heaven, and people come forward. She asks them to spell love, and dozens and dozens enter into eternal bliss. But then, lo and behold, her husband comes to the gate. Wow, it's, it's been a long time. And he says, it certainly has. How was the rest of your life? Well, I uh, met this woman, and she was a former model, a gourmet cook, an amazing conversationalist. And the woman is starting to get upset as he goes on and on. And she was a classically trained singer with several award-winning albums. She was an advocate for starving children. And we traveled the world together. It was romantic and inspirational. It was quite amazing. So, how do I get into heaven? Well, it's really quite simple. You just have to spell Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Love is the answer that Jesus provides in today's gospel reading from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 46. And if you've been following along in these last weeks, as we've been going through the later parts of Matthew's gospel, Jesus' opponents have been asking him tricky questions in an effort to trip him up. And this is the last in their series, Which Commandment is the Greatest? And it's probably the most well-known teaching of our Lord. How many of you have heard of this passage before? Raise your hands. Yeah, just about all the hands in the house uh, go up. And in Christian circles we call this The Great Commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love God, love neighbor. If you do that this week, you will have walked in the way of Christ. Amen? Amen? Pretty good amen for Anglicans. <laughs> now, following the great commandment is, well, A, B, C, easy as one, two, three, yes? Well, no, not really. And even, there's a problem, even before you and I get out of the pew and get out of the door this morning, there is a problem with this Matthew 22 passage. Do you know what the problem is? Well, let's bring someone in to help us, shall we? Tina Turner, do you remember her? That great theologian, she identified the problem for us. What's love got to do? Got to do with it? What's the rest of the lyric? What's love got to do? 
but a second-hand emotion. Got to brush up on your Tina Turner. (laughs) But if by love you and I are thinking romantic, tingling, delicious, excited emotion, if that's all that comes to our minds when we think of the word love, we are going to have a very difficult time with the great commandment of our Lord. Let's get some other help with this problem from another theologian, this one more typical, a seminary professor, the Reverend Dr. Clay Schmidt. And he puts the issue we face this way. Quote, The key problem in interpreting this double commandment for our time is that we lose sight of the biblical meaning of love. Our culture has equated love with intense emotion. End of quote. The kind of love that the great commandment requires of you and me as Christians is Jesus' self-denying, cross-carrying, mercy-giving kind of love. Now, for those of you who are Bible nerds, and you probably know who you are, The New Testament was originally written in Greek. And if you're a Bible nerd, you know that the word the Bible uses for this Jesus-like love is agape. Unconditional love. Whereas the Greek word eros describes sexual passion and feeling. And it's this eros kind of love that our popular culture is fixated on. And if you don't believe me, just look at the advertising, just watch late night television, just surf the internet. But this Jesus kind of love, this agape, unconditional kind of love, is an active love. It's an active love that you demonstrate or you fail to demonstrate by your words and your actions. In other words, drum roll please, it's a choice. It's a choice. Love from a Christian perspective is primarily a choice, not a feeling. Did you catch that? I'm going to rewind in case you didn't. Love from a Christian perspective is primarily a choice, not a feeling. Turn to your neighbor and say, choice, not feeling. Don't be shy. (laughs) Living by the great commandment to love God and love neighbor is a series of choices. In fact, it is a lifetime of choices that you and I can only make with the help of God and God's people. Can't do it by yourself. Sorry. You need grace, the gift of God. You need the power of the Holy Spirit changing your heart, building up your character, transforming you into the best version of yourself. You need the encouragement of other Christians to help you to choose this Jesus self-denying, cross-carrying, mercy-giving kind of love. See, without the power of the Spirit, without the power of the sacraments in our lives, without Christian community and people sort of rooting us on, 
We tend to just go with the flow, do whatever we feel like doing or not feel like doing in the moment. Or we try to grit our teeth into doing the right thing. Oh, I'm going to will my way into this. And now for another joke. An archdeacon was making a visit to one of the churches in his territory, archdeaconry. And when he arrived, only three people had come to listen to him preach. So after the service, he stormed over to the rector and he said, Did you publicize that I was going to be here? And the rector said, No. But word seems to have gotten around anyway. <laughs> word also seems to have gotten around about feelings. Now, just in case some of you have not heard, newsflash, you have feelings. You have them. But what about feelings? Are they important? Yes. 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 But the problem or the challenge with feelings is that they come and they go. They ebb and they flow. Romantic love and sexual passion can be wonderful. The tender love that a parent or grandparent can feel for a child can be wonderful. The energy you get from friends who make you feel good can be wonderful. And these are things that you can rightly desire and rightly give thanks to God for. They are some of life's greatest gifts. But would you want someone to only be there for you when they felt like it, when they had the emotional feeling? That sort of sounds like a recipe for a fair-weather friend. Yeah, I was going to help him move this morning, but I don't feel like doing that. Something better came along. Or a fair-weather lover or partner. Well, I just, don't, I just don't feel the passion anymore. And I haven't felt it for a while. So on to the next affair. Or a fair-weather parent. Jimmy, I don't feel like making your supper right now. You make your own supper. Mommy's going to keep binge-watching Netflix. None of us would want to be on the receiving end, though many of us have, of those fickle kinds of love. Those are not agape. Those are not Jesus kind of loves. None of us would be on that receiving end, would we? God's love is steady. And we, if we are to hold the name Christian with any integrity, and not for it just to be a joke, oh yeah, she goes to church, sure he does. If we're to hold the name Christian with any integrity, then our love must strive to be steady as well. Now, our love will always pale, will always be tiny compared to God's love. But we strive to be steady with the power of the Holy Spirit by choosing to love even when we don't feel like it. So, on a given Sunday, you don't feel like coming to worship. So what? You choose to go anyway as a demonstration of your love for God. 
and of your commitment to that parish family. So, you don't feel like going to this thing, this special event that's really important to your significant other. So what? You chose to go anyway as a demonstration of your love for her, as a sign of your commitment to the relationship. So you don't like listening to your friend's problems. It gets old after a while. Well, so what? You choose to listen anyway to demonstrate your love for him as a sign of your commitment to the friendship. So this person at work or school or wherever really annoys you. They really get under your skin. You have very little patience for them. So what? You choose to treat him or her with respect anyway as a demonstration of your faith, as a sign of your Christian commitment. Yeah, all that takes God's help. Now, do you want to know a little secret about all this? There's a little secret. A little secret. Some of you are like, no, please stop. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you the secret anyway, so here it is. Very often, our hearts will catch up with our actions. So at first, you don't feel very romantic, you don't feel very tender, you don't feel very positive about the friend or the situation or whatever, but as you say the words, as you persist in acting in that way, especially with God's help, your feelings catch up. We spend way too much time in our lives sitting around waiting for our feelings to change, when instead we should be changing our behavior, our actions, and our words. Now, many times, often that is the case. But there are times when that doesn't happen. Many of you have experienced this. There are seasons in life where the feeling is not there. The heart does not seem to be engaged. And during those seasons, your faith sustains you. God sustains you. And your commitment to whatever that particular relationship is or dynamic is, your choice sustains you. Feelings will come back. Now, does this mean you should ignore your feelings? No! You shouldn't. If you have not felt affection toward your significant other for a long time, or tenderness toward your children for a long time, or in some sort of friendship, or maybe you feel no affection toward God and it's been going on for years, or you receive no inspiration, no emotional satisfaction at all from worship, or maybe key people in your life. You feel like they don't have those feelings for you and it's been a long time. Those are signals. And you ignore those signals at your peril. Listen to those signals. It may mean you need to attend to something in that particular relationship. Or attend to something that is deep within yourself. And that attending can be tough, but it also can be life-giving and healing and resurrecting and bringing back faith and bringing back relationships. It can also be painful. Sometimes it doesn't always go the way we would like. But as Christians, God calls us, you and me, if you want us to call yourself a Christian, He calls us in the daily grind of our lives to choose love with God's help, regardless of whether we feel like it, and regardless of whether we happen to like the person that's in front of us at the time. That's our mission, folks, and we leave the building. 
Now, is this nitty-gritty living out of the great commandment easy? No. I would rather spell Czechoslovakia any day. But this costly way of love has everything to do with it. It is the path to heaven here on earth and the path to heaven beyond. Walk the path. With God's help, choose love. Amen.